Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Tuesday, January the 19th of 2021. Again, this is January the 19th of 2021. So many momentous things are happening in this hour. We're excited today about this podcast to come to you because I know this is, it's in the Word of God where we find the answers. Joining us today is Brother Marty and Brother Fernando, and as always, uh, we consider it an honor, and we thank you, the listener, uh, for taking out of your time to spend this time with us as we fellowship in the Word of God, as we discuss and study uh, the the things concerning the times that we are living. So we want to give the ample time to the study of the Word of God. Uh, we pray that... Uh, you come with your heart open, you have your Bible with you, and as we get into the Word of God this morning. So, Brother Marty, I'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study and discuss the Word of God together. Amen. Well, we welcome everybody to the last day of the United States of America as we've known it. Tomorrow is January the 20th, 2021. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And all we can say is, right, you know, fasten your seatbelts, brothers and sisters. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Uh, as we've been talking about, we're living in, in, in extraordinary and prophetic times. And, and that's what this podcast is all about. It's specifically designed uh, to explore the prophetic scriptures as we are led prayerfully so, and we say humbly so by the Holy Spirit. We come to the Word of God and the Word of God only for our guidance, for our direction, as King David said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so we are living in those extraordinary days. And what we're going to be looking at today, uh, really, we're going to be looking at the writings of King Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes. And many people wouldn't necessarily say that there are prophetic things to be gleaned from there, but uh, but there are. And we're going to see that there are mysteries that are hidden there. Solomon really, as he concludes his writings, the writer of the Proverbs, the writer of Ecclesiastes, um, he, he concludes in the book of Ecclesiastes by by revealing something very incredible. And we're going to look at it from, from the prophetic lens. Because I believe he's foretelling the end of all things and how it is that we will uh, be enduring up under these things, and how it is we need to be conducting ourselves, what we're looking for. He foretells the end in a very incredible way, and we're going to look by God's grace so we can learn some things today. You know, the ancient sages, uh, they commanded, and, and, and then down through the years, it's a tradition of the Hebrew people, as I was researching that today, and I found it very interesting. It kind of triggered something in my heart, just kind of added validity to what we're going to talk about. But the sages tell us that the book of Ecclesiastes is read once a year in their public gatherings. And it's only read during the uh, Feast of Tabernacles. It's read during the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the, uh, the, the celebration and the Feast of the Ingathering. It really is symbolic of the return of the Lord and the Lord tabernacling with his people, coming back to earth, so to speak, celebrating the bounty and the fruitfulness of the summer harvest and thanking God. All of it is very symbolical, but it's very interesting that this is the book that they read at that time. And really that's key for us to understand, because it means that 
in their minds, and it is indeed uh, in ours as well, it's tied to the return of the Lord. The fact that this book is written at the Feast of Tabernacles should alert us to the fact that even those <laughs> ancient rabbis knew there's something very prophetic about what Solomon was writing here. It's tied to the return of the Lord, and it, you know, and really it speaks. Uh, it is, it, you know, if you read it from verse chapter one to chapter twelve, it's the journey of life. Uh, you know, the, he asked the question, really, what's the meaning of life? It, to him, it seems all empty, but really, it's an unfolding drama. You know, we'll talk about that in a second here, but but we're living in that drama, and we're rapidly heading to the conclusion of that drama which will witness the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, our, our soon-coming Savior and King to this earth. So we're going to explore these things today. And I'll just start today with uh, having Brother Jeremy uh, read to us, if you would, chapter 12. And we're going to go down through this um, and begin with verse 1, would you, Brother Jeremy? And then we'll begin our discussion. So we encourage you to sit back and and, uh, and listen with spiritual ears as we explore the writings of King Solomon, the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verse 1. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. <laughs> Amen. Uh, when the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when you shall say, I have no pleasure in them. Now, throughout history, most people attribute this 12th chapter to the symbolic language that Solomon begins to use uh, in regards to a man getting older, a man dying. And then it's like his admonition that, you know, these are the things that you need to look for and prepare for as you as you die and so forth and so on. Well, that is one way to look at it. But we need to remember here that, again, the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. So it's quite conceivably, uh, you know, the case that what we're about to read here is indeed just that, and it is. And we're going to explore that, and, and it's from that perspective. So understand, those of you who have been with us long enough, you know the, the typology, the metaphor, the allegory, all those fancy words, but the pictures that the Bible paints here. Solomon was very unique, and the book is very unique, because it sets the tone from the beginning of, of Ecclesiastes, and we encourage you to, to read it on your own time. But really what it's talking about is the great question that all humanity has posed throughout human history. What is the meaning of life, basically? In Solomon's case, and I've read the, the historical background by the, by the early sages who actually debated whether they would either even include Ecclesiastes in the Bible, that is the Jewish sages, when they made up the, uh, the scriptures, right? The Torah, the 24 books as they count them, 39 as we count them of the Old Testament the Tanakh, as they call it, they didn't want to include it because they thought that what was written in it was so dire and so depressing because he always says vanity of vanities, right? Like everything is just a waste. Everything has no meaning. 
And so they didn't really believe that it was that that maybe it should be included. But thank God, <laughs> the Spirit of God was in charge of putting His Word together, and uh, and so it was included in the canon of Scripture. Now Solomon writes in some incredible ways. He 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 wrote in parables. He wrote in proverbs. He wrote with hidden mysteries. Uh, he wrote very spiritually. We we need to remember also that, you know, when Solomon dedicated the temple, um, the the glory of God filled the house. You know, he experienced the presence of God in an incredible way. Subsequently, he also experienced the other side, the dark side, you know, the history of the king. He fell away greatly. He was lured away by foreign women, right, which he was forbidden to do. He took many wives and concubines. And it's really a tragic narrative that he even built temples for demon gods in Jerusalem and the surrounding hills. That kind of exploration on its own and, and the psychology of it, the spiritual decline of it is enough to, to intrigue us and, and to plumb the depths of, you know, how it is that, that a soul is wrestled over. But nonetheless, the king and what he wrote, and when we come to the book of Ecclesiastes, it's basically the sum of all matters. And he starts off in chapter one by identifying, let me read this real quick. He simply says, the words of the preacher the son of David, king in Israel. So that kind of sets the tone. He's preaching something. He's declaring something to us. And really what he's doing is admonishing the whole of humanity. So when we apply the prophetic lens and the interpretive ways that we can look at the scripture, we pick up the story now in a definitive time. And what we're going to see here real quickly today is is prophetic pattern and the unfolding of of really what what you'll see uh, if you can see it uh it, it will take us all the way into a, a deeper understanding and a veiled revelation of what the book of revelation says will come to pass solomon saw it so he speaks in very mysterious ways and it requires spiritual ears to hear for which we ask the holy spirit to give us. Now, he starts out in verse 1 and he begins to address things in a very unique way. He says, Remember now thy creator. It's a very interesting phrase. He could have said, Remember the Lord, remember God. But he identifies as he's concluding, this is like the last chapter that he'll write for the rest of his life, right? So this is what he's bringing everything down to, including all the Proverbs and all the Psalms. He wrote a few Psalms, all the book of Ecclesiastes and many other writings that aren't included in the scripture themselves that are attributed to Solomon, all of it, it comes down to this, as a preacher. And so as he concludes his thoughts, he talks about the creator. And he references the days of youth. So in the, in the prophetic undertone of it, if you will, the reference to the days of youth and what youth really is and is representing as we go forward is, is the days of strength. It, it indicates strength and preparation, practice, and 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 pursuit. Because he says, remember your creator while you have strength. And he says, why? He goes on to talk about it and references something very interesting. He calls them, in verse 1, 
the evil days. So he goes from a happy tone of strength and youth to suddenly drawing your attention to the evil days. It's a prophetic symbology, if you will. And then he says, the year when the years draw near, or let's read it again, while the evil days don't come, in other words, while you have strength and while you have time, while you have this vigor, and really what it's what it's kind of expressing to us, brothers, is is this <clears throat> is this unrestricted time of promise and hope. He says, remember God then, because that's the time that you're able to gather through the strength of the pursuit of God, unobstructed, the necessary things that will set the tone for what you're about to head into, because what's coming, he says, will be the kind of days where the very strength that you have will be sapped from you. And so while you have the opportunity, while you know, like Jesus said, you know, the, there's 12 hours in the day, right? You know, man works in the daytime. And then he also says, you know, what we do, we must do quickly for the night cometh when no man can work. It's that same prophetic overtone here. So he's saying, focus on the creator while you have un unobstructed days. And he says, while the evil days haven't arrived yet. Well, we're well into that now. But we're setting the tone so we can understand what he's referencing are the evil days nor the years draw nigh. He's specifically referencing particular years. And as we go on in this, we'll see those years that he's talking about have a, have a, have a, 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 a you know, a, a reference, if you will, or a hint at particular years. Now, we know from the book of Revelation that the Bible culminates everything in the final 42 months of human history, book of Revelation chapter 13, verse 5. And, and, and what that references is the final three and a half years. Daniel spoke of it, that there will be a final three and a half years. So the evil days are the days that precede the final years. The evil days are that tribulation period, the days of sorrow, Jesus called them. The beginning of sorrows leads into the tribulation period, which leads into the final years. And so Solomon is saying, prior to those arriving, I admonish you now, while you have unobstructed access to your creator in your youth, that is, pursue him. Because it's in that pursuit of, of God, while you have unrestricted time, that is, events of the day aren't obstructing you before the evil days and the years come. He said, because the years that are ahead of you, you are going to have no pleasure in them. This is the tribulation period. He then goes even deeper. Can you read verse 2 to us, Brother Jeremy? While the sun, or the light, or the moon, or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. <laughs> Again, if this wasn't the Word of God, you're reading poetry, but it is the Word of God. And there are so many levels to it. I'll give you an example. Jesus, when entering into a theological debate with the rabbis, for example, and he, he, he told them that Abraham saw his day and he was glad. What did he mean by that statement? How did Abraham see his day? Well, we have the benefit of having the whole Bible. So we go back and look at Abraham's days. What he saw and what Jesus was referencing 
was when Abraham took his own son and and was about to offer him to the Lord, and the Lord stayed his hand, and then he looked and saw a ram caught in the bush. Jesus is referencing that. But if you just read the story of Abraham without that kind of understanding that what was being portrayed in that historical narrative of the binding of Isaac was actually a prophetic uh you know, uh, prophetic time revealed in the very act. In other words, <clears throat> Abraham saw that what God was actually telling him, that just as he offered his only son uh, to God, God was going to bring his only son. Only only, only would have to be God. It was a sacrifice that God would provide for himself. That's what he told his son Isaac, right? And so the levels of interpretation and understanding in the scripture go far beyond just the topical written word. That is why we're talking about it in this way. And that is how God speaks. He speaks in deep and multiple layers, layers that you can peel back by the spirit. If he allows you to, you plunge into the deeper realms of God An incredible insight. Now it's with that in mind that when Solomon goes on after setting the tone in verse one, while you have this unobstructed time, he says, before the evil days, which is the beginning of sorrows in the tribulation period, and the final years start drawing near, the final three and a half years of human history, where we know the Antichrist will be and all that stuff, right? He says, while you have that, I want to warn you that you have time now to pursue God and acquire everything you're going to need to have to endure these coming days. While you're strong, while you're unobstructed, because the days that are coming, he says, will be such a time that you will find no pleasure in them. He then goes on and says, while the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. This is so deep right here, what he's talking about. He's really referencing typology. Now, I don't have two hours to go into a class on symbolism, so if you're just joining us, bear with us and let the Spirit of God reveal things to your heart. Now, listen. In the reference to the sun, the light, the moon, the stars not being darkened, it's interesting because it's a creation reference. <clears throat> he he started verse 1 by talking to us about the creator. And so in using the sun and the moon and the stars, he's referencing the fourth day of creation. <laughs> and so really, if you can receive it, this is an encapsulation, if you will, of of 2,000 years of human history, of church history. Why do you say that? Well, when you go back and study the fourth day of creation, and you take the principle of the scripture, which is in the Psalms, and which Peter himself quotes in his writing, that a day with the Lord is as a 1,000 years and a 1,000 years as a day. It seems that the youth that he's referring to is the fourth and the fifth day. Now, why do you say that? Sun, moon, and stars are all fourth day references. Jesus Christ appeared in the fourth day. If you remember in, in creation, the fourth day of creation, the sun and the moon and the stars were to give light upon the earth. It's a gospel reference. And so when we look at 4,000 years of human history transpiring, and, and I know this might confuse some of you, but pause, go back and listen to what I'm telling you here. <clears throat> At the end of 4,000 years, the conclusion of it, and then into the fifth day, if you will, the fifth thousandth year of human history, is precisely when the Son of Man appeared. And it is then that the gospel brought light to the earth. 
it would be followed after the resurrection and the ascension on the Mount of Olives by the day of Pentecost. So, when, so, so then we have the rain reference here in verse 2. This is probably the most difficult part we'll go through today in, 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 uh, you know, as you seek to understand what I'm trying to tell you here. But Solomon, in, in, in such a deep level, is referencing our youth period to, to day four and day five of church history, really. A 2,000-year period, one that that, sh that that brings the light and one that also brings the rain. And the fact that he uses the rain reference as in this way, he says, nor the clouds return after the rain. Clouds are always symbolic of, 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 of looming doom, you know, that's coming, the clouds gathered, that kind of thing. So he's saying, after the rain falls, <laughs> rejoice in that time. That was the sending of the Holy Spirit. That is your youth period. This this next 2,000 years of history of you will, will be apportioned. And it's in that time that the church will grow and each subs you know, subsequent generation pursuing God. Because the evil days are ahead at a concluding time period. But while there's no clouds, that is, the rain continues to fall, it's in that time that you need to seek him. Because the day, he goes on in verse 3. Can you read verse 3, Brother Jeremy? In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, and the strong men shall bow themselves, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look out of the windows be darkened. Incredible way that he's talking here, right? So... Getting past verse 2, and I don't want to belabor it there because we'll be there for a long time if I do, trying to dig in and, and continue to try and help you see. All I can say is, is continue to study, continue to pray, and continue to see. Go back to the creation references I told you about, the clouds, right? So now he, he hones in on, on a specific time frame, the day. The day he's mentioning are the evil days and the, and the years that draw nigh when you shall have no pleasure. In that day, he says, after the sun, moon, and light reference, and the rain reference, which to me is the gospel and the Holy Spirit. He says the day will arrive, and when it does, he gives a list of things that will happen. He begins to describe, and there's many ways you could look at this, but this is how the Spirit gave it to me, I believe. The first thing he draws our attention here, and what we're going to be looking at in verse 3, I think, is the fivefold ministry that itself begins to respond to that day, the evil days. And this is what will begin to happen. And I think that it's given in the way that Solomon describes it here to reference the fivefold ministry, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and teacher. And I'll show you. The day when it arrives, he calls them the keepers of the house. That's The house is the house of the Lord. The keepers of that house are the apostolic ministry or the anointing of the apostle. I'm not talking about all these fly-by-night people that go around calling themselves apostles, but it is there is a leadership, an eldership, a truly developed eldership, which I would term as apostle. But really what he says, when that day comes, that the keepers of the house, the well-aged, the sages, the ancient among us, they will begin to tremble because they understand what's happening when that day arrives, he says. That's one, the apostolic ministry. Number two, the strong men will bow themselves. That's a reference to the warrior, and really, in my opinion, it's a reference to the prophetic call, the watchers, if you will. The keepers of the house or the elders and the sages amongst us, 
the strong men are the prophets. They begin to bow under the weight of, 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 of the awareness and the settling in revelation that the time has arrived. It, it, it speaks of strength being tested and the weight of it uh, bearing down on the prophetic. So we have the apostle, the prophet, and I'm going quickly through this. Uh, third is the grinders cease because they are few. This is an indication that Solomon is re revealing to us here the evangelistic uh, call, but also the the uh, the diminishing of it as we enter into that day. It's something to watch for. He was basically saying the grinders were those who uh, brought in the harvest, right, and then they separated the wheat from the sh the, sh the shaft. It it's symbolic of harvest. It's symbolic of the evangelistic call. And he's saying, really, that day is going to see a time where that calling is diminished. There's very few. So, And we've seen that in our time. We've talked about it ad infinitum, right? I mean, about the, the lack of the gospel being preached, the lack of the evangelistic call. The harvest is diminishing precisely because the day is arriving and there's very few. And then we have the pastor teacher, I believe, represented by those that look out of the windows because it's darkened that day, uh, those that look out of the window, that's the pastor and the teacher. The window is very much representative of the open access to the light, the instruction, um, and the window is set up higher, right? It's the realm of the spirit. It's the realm of teaching. They're in the house looking out the window. That's pastoral in nature. You know, that's how I see it at least. But he, he says the day will bring a darkened sense. Uh, of you know for those pastors teachers it, it's all uh, a gloomy kind of an outlook but it's it's also a descriptive way of revealing to the church exactly what to prepare for and what to see and what to understand is coming from every level of, of the ministerial experience it's a it's a preparatory warning for the prophet the the apostle prophet evangelist pastor and teacher He's basically saying what Jesus said, the night cometh. So access to what we've known before is now diminishing and shrinking. And it gives way to a, a now descriptive uh, explanation of, of what will be transpiring in the overall landscape of society as he, as he then uh, writes in verse 4. Can you read verse 4, Brother Jim? And the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird and all the daughters of music shall be brought low very descriptive language now he's just basically revealing in very very uh hidden mysterious ways that he's writing here further conditions talks about the doors being shut in the streets, you know, and, and really that represents access to the gospel. You know, the streets is the wayfaring, uh, you know, movement of culture. In this time, though, he seems to be really, really revealing multiple things. Doors being shut. You remember the parable that Jesus gave of the friend that came to, to the, man, the, the guy who came at midnight to his friend's house, and he's knocking at, on the door, right, trying to, He's looking for bread. And and then, you know, the guy comes to the door and says, I can't, I can't 
open the door to you. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm resting. My children are asleep, so to speak, right? Uh, but but that's that same kind of feel. The door was shut. You know, the same kind of feel that you have uh, in the in in the language that you use describing what happened in the days of Noah, right? When when Noah went into the ark and, and God shut the door. It's revealing that we are entering into a time where the book of Revelation describes when it's in full flight now. He says that the, the dividing line will be just that. It'll be a time where the doors are shut. You're either going to have the children of darkness, which are part of the whole Antichrist global system, or you will have those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. There's no gray area anymore. That's why he describes it as the grinding. The sound of the grinding is low, almost unperceptible now. There's no sense that, that there's a harvest anymore. It's come to that point. It is almost non-existent. Access to salvation has been stripped away. It, it's been determined. The doors are shut, the access. But it also speaks, too, of that Isaiah reference. Remember when we were reading that yesterday? When he said, come, my people, enter into thy chambers and shut the doors about you. Close the doors. He says, because <clears throat> he says, until the indignation be overpassed. So there's that that same kind of reference here. The shutting of the doors uh, is the protective thing, but also revealing a lack of access uh, to what once was uh, an open invitation this is the tribulation now. This is, we're well into it as Solomon is describing it. And then he says, when the sound of the grinders is low, the grinders are those that are the harvester. There's, it's almost imperceptible now. And then he rises up. I mean, he says something here in verse four about the rising up at the voice of the bird. And when you look up those words and they're the voice of the bird, he's referencing a particular kind of bird. He's talking about the sparrow. And I don't know if you can receive this, but this is a hint of alarm. It's what God is seeing, you know, and, and it, it takes us to that reference point uh, of the sermon that Jesus gave, the Sermon on the Mount, right? When he, he said that God sees even the tiniest sparrow fall to the ground. How much will he care for you, O ye of little faith? It has that overtone to it. David talked about being as a sparrow on the top of a roof. You know, uh, or he talked about uh, the sparrows uh, at the altars. These are all prophetic, deeper study, of course, but I'm telling you, that's what he's referencing here. We're beginning to see a tribulation period where the doors are shut. You have those protected, but you also have a reference to those that fall and, 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 and at the voice of the sparrow. But remember, God sees it, and Jesus is saying, how much more does he care for you, O ye of little faith? The very hairs of your head are numbered. And then it says, referencing the churches as a whole. Can you read that last part of verse 4, Brother Jeremy? What does it say about the daughters? And all the daughters of music shall be brought low. So we're, this, is, this is what he's revealing. This isn't a time of celebration. We're talking about doors being shut. Uh, the, the the sound of, of any kind of salvation being brought to such a level that it's almost imperceptible. We're beginning to see the sparrow reference, the voice of the bird um, seeming to talk in, in terms, in, in poetic terms really, but prophetically poetic of, of the suffering of the church that, that, it's, that it's now headed to and the removing of, 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 of the joy 
it'll be brought low, the daughters of music, the worshipers, the praisers, the celebratory aspect of the church is brought low at this point, he says. It references the faith and the patience of the saints that John spoke of in Revelation 13, verse 10. And then he goes on to describe why in verse 5. Can you read verse 5, Brother Jeremy? Also, when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fears shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire shall fall, excuse me, and desire shall fail, because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. Incredible. Referencing the daughters, referencing the shutting of the doors, referencing the falling of the sparrow. <laughs> and then he, he, I believe he then goes into what we would call the Great Tribulation period right now. There's a transition taking place. And he, he talks about a particular fear. And he says, when they shall be afraid of that which is high. This is really deep stuff we're talking about here, uh, because what he's talking about here is the demonic activity, the principalities, the powers. Can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy, in Ephesians chapter 6? Paul references those that are on high. Ephesians 6, verse 12, I think it is. Yes. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There we go. So taking that in, in the flow of what Solomon's revealing here at the conclusion of his life, his poetic prophecy, really, he's referencing that. Because what we see in the final three and a half years of human history, according to the book of Revelation and Daniel's prophecies, is that the final 42 months will just be that. It will be that. It'll be the complete unleashing of demonic power on the face of the earth, those that are on high. That is the fear that is referenced here. Uh, they shall be afraid of that which is high. Paul references spiritual wickedness in high places. And that's what we're seeing here. That's what's being described here. And then he goes on to say that there, and fears shall be in the way. You know, it's the condition now that we find ourselves in as we cross into this great tribulation period. It's done. You know, that's why he, he tells us to hide ourselves in Isaiah, right? Because going out and about at this point is, is it's just insanity. We don't even have the words to describe it, but it's the culmination of things. That's why the book of Ecclesiastes is just about that. It sets forth the tone and says, what is everything all about? I mean, what is life about? You know, and what does it really mean? Well, he's asking that question, and, and, and the Lord is answering it really for us. But he's taking us into the deep into the book of Revelation, where there'll be fear in the way. And then he references what? After the fears in the way, Brother Jeremy, what did he reference? And the almond tree shall mm -hmm. flourish. The almond tree shall flourish. Now he's talking about the wrath of God. The judgment of God is now beginning to flow on the wicked. Uh, the almond tree is a reference that we we see in Jeremiah, right? Turn over to Jeremiah, would you, Brother Jeremy? Uh, yes. Jeremiah chapter 1. Can you read to us verse 11 and 12? God is yes. addressing his prophet and asks him a question. 
Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. I see the rod of an almond tree. And then the Lord tells him what, Jeremy? He says, Then said, said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. And the word that he was about to give to Jeremiah was a word of judgment that was coming upon Judah and Israel, right? Uh, that was coming upon the whole world, really. But So when we see this almond tree reference made by King Solomon in chapter 12, verse 5, notice the incremental increase of what he's revealing. He draws our attention to the high places, principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, right? He says it, it will be a time of great fear because we have an unrestricted, uh, you know, demonstration of, de of the demonic and yet God dealing with it as well. And he's warning, fear will be in the way. I mean, everywhere you go, this is this is a world given to satanic will at this time. But but then he throws in the almond tree. Judgment now begins. It's the wrath of God that's getting ready to be poured out. It shall flourish. It's going to come and bear its complete fruit. It's almost it's 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 an intense thing, but it's also an encouraging thing right in the middle of it. And then there seems to be a reference to uh, to Revelation chapter 9, the opening of the bottomless pit. And then from out of it comes the locust, right? That, that the book of Revelation describes locust. Well, that's what that word for grasshopper, the, the word grasshopper literally is locust. Can you read that again to us, Brother Jeremy, the, the grasshopper part and the grasshopper? Yes. And the grasshopper shall be a burden and desire. Yes, go ahead. Fail. And the desire shall fail. Why? Yes. Because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. So now we see as the as the judgment's getting ready to flourish, right? The almond tree. Now he references the grasshoppers, right? They'll be a burden. Well, that that is Revelation chapter nine verse four, the loosing of the locusts. The loosing of the grasshopper, or the actual Hebrew word there is is locust. That's what he's referencing: the the emerging of the locust and and the judgment of God. They come out of the bottomless pit, and they will be a burden. That's exactly what's going to happen. They're going to eat every, you know, they're going to you know afflict man and so forth and so on. They're going to eat green things and you know destroy uh, lots of things for five months. Actually, in Revelation nine, I think it says for about a five months period. But we have the grasshopper being a burden. And then he throws this in here, desire shall fail. Now, that is really a reference in many ways, if we look at it spirit to spirit here, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things, of the testing of the saints. See, we have been forewarned. That's why Solomon started this whole chapter out by saying, in the days of your youth, while you yet have unobstructed access, and strength to pursue God before the beginning of sorrows, before the tribulation, before the great years, the final three and a half years come. He says, you better take that time to remember your creator. You're going to need that strength. Because by the time we get to the loosing of the grasshoppers here, we're well into the last part just before the complete wrath of God is poured out. And he says, the desire will fail. 
that there will be a testing that will finally be too much for some. It's going to crush them. That word desire is the same kind of uh, thing where the, uh, the prophet Haggai talked about the desire of all nations. The desire he's talking about, as we see it in the spirit here, is, is the Lord. And the desire for his return and, and holding on to that desire will fail for many. That's why uh, John continually references the faith and the patience of the saints. It is, it, is an, uh, it is an intense scrutiny, and it is something that we must acquire before we enter into this time period. See, that is what the five foolish virgins discovered up under the heat of the midnight cry, right? Was that they were woefully lacking. And when it came to it, the precise moment that they needed their oil the most, they didn't have it. And so they were forced to go into the marketplace, which is the place of the market of the beast, right? You can't buy, sell, or acquire anything. The desire will fail. It will be too much for those who didn't, in the days of their youth, so to speak, take the time to pursue their creator. That is what we're admonishing you out there that are listening, and that is what we're admonishing ourselves every single day to do. You know, we live in this flesh, so it can be tiresome, right? But we we know beyond a shadow of a doubt the hour that we're living in now. And this is what is being revealed to us. Everywhere we look in the scripture, it's as if we're opening up the pages of a newspaper. I mean, it's 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 that plain to see if you have eyes to see. So he says, desire shall fail. But why? He begins to reference mankind as a whole, but also you know, what's coming uh, to him. He's headed somewhere. Man is going to his long home, his long home. In other words, he's reaching the, the end of his appointed time and where he's headed up under what we've been describing and, uh, as we're looking at Solomon's words here is the conclusion of the matter. But understand that it's each individual life that is headed to a home. It's the place of reward. It's that long home because it began in the garden, but it's that long home. It's coming to the end. It's been, it's been thousands of years in, 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 the, uh, in the journey process, right? But now he's headed to, to the conclusion of it. He's going, and we'll see here in a second because he references it. He's going to either go to his reward to be with the Lord, or he will return to the pit, so to speak, from the ground from whence he was taken. That's his light. lot, is the, is the grave, right? He goes on to say, and this is a time of mourners. You know, we read that in the book of Revelation, you know, the almond tree flourishing, the loosing of the grasshoppers, the desire failing, all that stuff is bringing man to his long home. It's concluding, he says. But we know from the book of Revelation that the world begins to mourn and lament as we get closer to the ultimate judgment. That's what Solomon's revealing here. And so he's saying that at that time, verse 6 happens. Can you read verse 6, Brother Jeremy? Or ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bow be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. That's incredible what he's talking about there, the silver bowl. You have to know Scripture... Uh, to understand certain things, but silver is, is always representative of redemption, right? The, the, the price of Joseph, 20 pieces of silver. Uh, Jeremiah talking about they valued me at 30 pieces of silver. That's what Judas uh, betrayed the Lord. Silver is the price of redemption. 
and he says you need to 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 settle many of these things up to this point he says because there's coming a time when the silver cord will be loosed in other words it's speaking of redemption and the opportunity for redemption is completely over at this point we've reached that place where man is going to his long home the almond tree is flourishing we're well into the book of revelation people are mourning and lamenting they're you know having the rocks fall on them all that kind of stuff revelation tells us he says, because the silver cord will be loose, the, the access to re redemption will, will, will be removed, the golden bowl will be broken. Uh, this, is, this is very symbolic here. You know, it's, it's redemption, it's grace, it's salvation. The golden bowl was where they collected the blood and they would offer the blood on the, on the brazen altar. It represents the sacrifice, the cross. But it also represents, if we look at the book of Revelation, what the Bible talks about, the golden vials, you know, the, the, the offering of incense, the, the place of intercession and request of God, both salvation and prayer or spirit or intercession will be broken. There will be no access to it anymore. That's what he's saying. This is, this is, this is the woes. This is the vials, man. And, and, and God is removing his hand. Uh, from from humanity as a whole he's preserving his own children of course we know this right and then he talks about the completion of the falling away or really access to the spirit in that the pitcher is broken where at the fountain Remember what jesus said you know uh i will give you a fountain of living waters it, it references the holy spirit again there's a there's no access to 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 redemption to salvation to the spirit any longer the, uh, the access to draw water from the fountain has been broken. Humanity has been weighed in the balance and found wanting. And then probably the most incredible descriptive thing he says is that the wheel is broken at the cistern. That word wheel is very interesting that Solomon used there. It means the whirlwind. It's the same wheel in the middle of the wheel that, that Ezekiel referenced. It now comes to the Father himself, heaven itself, and, 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 and it will be broken. In other words, access to heaven and to the Father will be broken at the cistern. And, and that word cistern does mean cistern or well, but it also means the pit or a pit that's dug. In other words, what he's saying at this point is when we reach the conclusion of the matter and the wrath is finally poured out, the wheel or the 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 heavenly presence itself which has stood all this time on man's long journey between him and the pit will be broken in other words that access uh, will be removed there is nothing between man and the pit anymore and that is why when he concludes the matter he goes into verse 7 and references two particular fates at this point can you read verse 7 brother jeremy then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Amen. So he shows the two fates. He shows the one returns to the earth or really representative of the grave, right? Those who died lost, those who no longer had access to the silver cord, the golden bowl, the pitcher at the fountain, and then the preventative force that has kept, uh, you know, reaching to men and, and trying to stand between them and their ultimate fate because of their rejection of God. This is, this is the conclusion of the great tribulation here. 
and then he says, now we, 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 we are at the dust, right? We either go to the dust, but he also delineates the spirit. The spirit will return to God who gave it. I see there the two fates of humanity. While you have time, he says, make your peace with God. While there is yet unobstructed access to your ability to pursue him for insight and understanding and for the kinds of things that you will need in our time right now, because that's what he's talking about. And he says, that's why he, he cries out in verse 8, and, and and says vanity of vanities. It's it's the it's the it's the cry of of lament that it that it's even like this. It's all vanity. It's all vain. It's all empty. Says the preacher. At this point, you know, there's there's no value in it for for the world. Man goes to his long home. Mankind has been brought to its conclusion. But those that are of the spirit, right? We're born from above. We are of the spirit. We go home to be with God. That's in many ways <laughs> the catching away, if you can see it. Now he puts a pause on it, right? And then he begins to almost reflect as to what we should be about doing as these days approach. I think we see that in verse 9 and, and, and 10. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy? And moreover. Because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yeah. He gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. <clears throat> so he's still teaching, right? That's basically what he's saying. Because the preacher was wise. Even though he knew the fate, even though he felt exasperated and sad, vanity of vanities, right? He says he still was wise because he sought to teach the people. That's what we must be doing right now. We're trying to teach people. You need to be teaching your children, your husband, your wives, your friends, your family, whatever. He says in these times we need to be teaching the people knowledge and and give good heed and and sought out to set in order many proverbs. In other words, you basically to to bring explanation to the proverbs, to the parables, to the hidden mysteries. That's what we need to be doing right now. That's what he's saying. That that he sought. He's he's using his own life as an example, right? You know, I still taught. I still pursued, even though I know that what's coming at the end of this is a destruction upon humanity. Uh, you know, as a whole, there will be those that are hidden, of course, as other scriptures revealed to us, but he laments the fact that the human race didn't turn, that it didn't respond to God. But in the meantime, he says, his life is an example. I continue to seek ways to reach. That's what he says in verse 10, words of truth, right? He says the preacher sought to find out uh, acceptable words and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. He's seeking to find what he can, whatever way led by the Spirit that he can find to make an impact while there's yet time. He references uh, that he's wise. So that also kind of hints mm -hmm. at Daniel chapter 12, right? You know, the wise will understand. That's what he goes on to say in verse 11. Can you read verse 11? The words of the wise are as golds and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given 
from one shepherd. <laughs> Praise God. The wise, right? He, he's talking about, he's referencing that Daniel chapter 12, verse 10 group in this final time. He calls them uh, goads. That's a that's an agricultural reference of, to herding the sheep, right? They're the things that you need to, to keep the sheep and move them in the right direction. God's going to empower you, brothers and sisters out there. You are the wise in this time. And he's going to give you words, insights, uh, you know, sought after a revelation, all of it. And, and what he's saying is that when you begin to speak, there's an added component of the assistance of the Holy Spirit. He is the goad, right? He is the, the convictor. He's the leader. He's the counselor. He's the guide. He's going to assist you. And, and what he's referencing there is being able to corral and, and move your loved ones, your neighbors, whatever, man. You can go down this whole list, right? Whoever God puts on your heart, he's going to help you in this time to goad them into the right way because the days are, are, are you know, the shadows are growing long, like we like to say here, right? So they're like goads, and he says they're as nails fastened by the masters of the assembly. That, that's a really cool way to say it because he's referencing the elders that have gone before us, the masters of the assembly. Says they, the orthodoxy of prophetic scripture and scripture revealed the sure word, the upright word, the true word. That's what he's talking about. Nails fastened. These are established truths which were given to the masters. That is the prophets of old, Moses and the prophets and the holy apostles, our Lord himself, right? The masters of the assemblies. And, and he says the origin of this truth at this time and throughout the ages has been given by what? One shepherd. He's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, <laughs> the great and mighty shepherd the good Amen. shepherd right the chief shepherd he's, he's encouraging us and he says this in verse 12 very interesting what he says here listen to this verse 12 would you read that brother Jeremy? and further by these my son be admonished of making many books there is no end and much study is a weary weariness of the flesh very interesting there but you got to take it in context right what he's saying He's talking about words sought out, upright words, true words, uh, the words of the wise, especially at the end of time, right? Goading and bringing people into the right direction, uh, fastened words, right? Given by the masters of assembly, the established true word of Almighty God, given by the one shepherd, Jesus Christ, right? Then he interjects here, which is almost like a warning. He says, the making of books. There's different ideas as to what that means. But I found one today that really kind of set me off in, in, in my spirit. One of the rabbis said this in, in commenting on that. He said that the, that the making of books, what he was referencing there, and why his son, he said, was being admonished, you know, uh, he didn't, he was referencing, uh, you know, books that are added to the word, basically is what he's talking about. So what that made me think, as the Spirit of God ministered it to me, was was what, basically what he was saying was, He's admonishing to be careful not to uh, <laughs> not to go to the many books, you know, and concepts, because you know, what books are are basically commentaries on the word. And he's basically saying at this time you don't need to be turning to to to, to many books uh, because there's no end to it. Basically, what he's revealing is it's by the Spirit now, son. It's going to be by the Spirit, and it's going to be by the Spirit through the Word. You don't need a whole bunch of commentaries, a whole bunch of different eschatology concepts. 
You know, there's no end to that is basically what he's saying. Be led of the word of God. The one book is what he's referencing. Mm -hmm. And, and, and because he says, because much study is weariness of the flesh. In other words, you study all that other extra stuff, which has really put the church in a very precarious position right now. There's a whole bunch of people, their faith is failing because they've been waiting for this pre-tribulation rapture that's never going to come. There is coming a rapture, but it's at the end. It's before the wrath, right? And there's all kinds of books. Larry, go into your Christian bookstore. You got shelf after shelf after shelf of book trying to tell you, you know, what the scriptures reveal. And he says, if you go in that way, he says, it'll weaken you. It's the weariness of the flesh. It'll weaken you. Spend your strength being led by the Spirit in the book, not the mini books yeah. or studying all that stuff, right? That's what he's saying. He says, you want to hear, you want to make it simple, he says. Read verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Best advice he's given, right? Worship God and guard his commandments, especially now. Not only throughout your whole life, but up under this, this time that he's describing, these, these tribulation days, the evil days, the final years, all the scripted poetic language he gave. He said, look, it, 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 up under all this, he says, you know, if you want to make it simple, he goes, just do this and you'll be fine, right? This is all you've got to do. This is your whole duty. This is all God's going to require of you at this time. Worship him and obey his word. You'll be fine. That's all he's asking you to do. He'll handle the rest, right? And basically he concludes it with the judgment seat of Christ, right, or, or of God in verse 14. That's where it's headed. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy? For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Right? We also give account for the things we've done in this body, basically, is what he's saying. That's where this is headed. It's concluded now. He's revealed the whole matter. He's given us all kinds of advice and all kinds of revelation leading up to it. And he and he finishes his, his life's writings by saying, the judgment seat is where we will all stand. And so basically he's saying, draw near to the Lord while you can. Draw near to God. Obey him. Keep his commandments. You'll be you'll be safe, right? And 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 this is what he's saying to us right now. You know, the time is at hand. Question is, brothers and sisters, can you see? Can you hear? Do you really know what's happening right before our eyes? Tomorrow, another event's about to take place. As we came on the air today, we were talking and comparing notes. Brother Jeremy sent me this uh, video of a lady who was driving on the coast of California over there by Long Beach, and there. In the video, she showed there's massive amounts of naval ships gathering off the coast of California. Now, I lived there for a long time down there. I used to go down there and surf when I was a kid, man. And I've never seen that many ships that I saw in what Brother Jeremy sent me. You know, we know the 30,000 troops are gathered at the Capitol. The nation, as we have known it, this once free nation, is over. Something's up. Now, God's people, we need to be in the word, and that's what Solomon was telling him. You need to be in the word and be led by the spirit, he's saying to his son. Now's the time to be led of the spirit. They that are led of the spirit, they are the sons and daughters of the most high God. They are the sons of God. Holy Spirit will guide us through this. 
It's in these kinds of passages that we looked at today that we're being led by the Spirit to see. He's bringing illumination. He's revealing. He's telling us what is ahead. But as we conclude this podcast today, I pray that it's it's uh, opened your eyes to where we are and also um, admonished us on what we need to do and how we need to conduct ourselves and what we need to uh, you know, be channeling our energies toward, which is pursuing God while we yet still can. The, the, the door is closing and the light is diminishing. The sound of the grinder is low. The keepers of the house are beginning to tremble, right? And that's what he said. The strong men are bowing themselves up underneath the weight of the prophetic overtone in their spirit. They know what's happening. And there's very few uh, looking out the window now because darkness is gathering. What we have and what we have going forward, while we yet have a chance, we better gather that oil. A voice is about to be heard. The bridegroom is coming. And I think that's what we've been doing for the last year, you know, yelling, the bridegroom is coming. So I want to encourage you to be in prayer. Uh, and, and to and to continue to allow the Spirit to to draw you close to Him as you draw close to Him, seek God like Noah did, right? Uh, you know, he he was he believed that God was, and He was a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him, and so he was warned of God, and he was moved in great reverence and worship to prepare an ark for the saving of his house. That's what we're attempting to do for our own homes, and that's what we're encouraging you to do in your home. He will save your family. He's going to give you an anointing. That's what he meant when he talked about the wise. And the words that he will give you will be words that you've sought out by his spirit. And they will be the kind of words that will be able to goad your loved ones, to goad those that you love, uh, your children, your husband, your wife, your uncles, your aunties, your grandparents, whatever, man, your neighbors. He's going to give you that skill level. As long as it's built on the nails that were fastened by the masters of the assembly who received what they got from the one true shepherd, our soon coming king. Be encouraged. We love you. We look forward to being with you again tomorrow on a most historical and prophetic day tomorrow. No telling what will happen between now and then, but we're looking forward above all to the return of our Lord. Brother Fernando, Brother Jeremy, can you Close us out with some thoughts. Incredible, incredible insight that um, um, we see in the Word of God. It's a continuous pattern, uh, even in the book of Ecclesiastes, of how to prepare ourselves. And we are being warned uh, continuously in Scripture concerning the evil day that is approaching. <clears throat> and um, I just you know, <laughs> I am, uh, I don't know, man, I, I, I find myself sad, excited, you know, yeah. as as we see, you know, America as we know it, the way you started the program, you know, will be no more. Um, you know, we were sharing earlier the, the, uh, the way Capitol Hill looks like. It's all caged up, right? Yes. And, uh, and, and it brings thoughts to me of what the book of Revelation says, 
you know, uh, Babylon has fallen, has fallen. It's become the cage of every hateful bird, right? And I think about, you know, the believers that that uh, are so unprepared. And, you know, when they wake up, they're going to realize, you know what, it's too late. You know, yeah. we, should, we should have been seeking God. You know, we yeah. should have been preparing like the, the writer of Ecclesiastes tells us to prepare and been been on our on our job, you know, uh, preparing God's people. But it's never too late. You know, it may seem like that, but it's never too late. I believe that today is the day of salvation. You have to make that decision right now before mm-hmm. it's too late. You know, the enemy will try to say, what did you do this whole time? But the fact that we have this opportunity, right? We have life. And that's what the book of Ecclesiastes is all about. It's, 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 it's coming to that point in our lives. You know, remember the, the creator in the, in the days of the, of the youth. The sooner you do that, the better. You know, take advantage of this precious gift of life that God has given us to really redeem the time. Yes. Right, with a sacredness, a holiness, and understand that we are all part of this grand design of God, this plan, this eternal plan of God that he purposed in himself and is revealing unto us through his son Jesus, the shepherd. He is that shepherd. He yes. is speaking these things unto the wise Praise that you. Daniel spoke about in, in, in the book of Ecclesiastes refers to. These are the wise that will wake up to understanding. These are the ten virgins, right? The, 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 the ten yeah. virgins, the five foolish, five wise. These are the five wise virgins that wake up to understanding, to an understanding that Jesus Christ is coming. We need to think. Stop and think. Don't think that you're too smart and full of understanding that you can't stop and think and consider. Yeah. That's what the writer of Ecclesiastes is telling us to do, to consider these things, to, to ask the why questions, to look beyond the natural. Because as we ended last uh, yesterday's podcast, we ended it by saying that the people who have fallen into the snare will look to the earth, and all they will find is darkness and gloominess and chaos coming to the world. Yeah. Right? And there's a reason we always end our program by saying, keep looking up. Yeah. <laughs> right? There's a reason we do that. Because now is the time to look up. You've looked to yeah. everything in the earth. You look to political parties. You look for help here and there. And it's all vanity of vanities, vexation of spirit. Now is the time that we need to look up. For our redemption draws nigh. It is near. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. You know the book of the book of Corinthians. The Apostle Paul would tell us, uh, "Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he lest he fall." And I think it's fitting a tremendous uh, uh, study we have had today, an encouragement, an exhortation, a reminder in the book of Ecclesiastes. That very word means preacher. <laughs> That's what it means, yeah. the preacher. And, uh, and and to end it in, in chapter 12, you know, to take heed to what he's told us. 
this, you know, to consecrate the vigor of our youth to God. That's what it is. Give ourselves fully to this understanding because, well, it's not that the evil days are not going to come. It's that so that when they come, we will be ready. That's why it's interesting that Solomon, the same one who wrote Ecclesiastics, wrote in Proverbs 6, and 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 it speaks about the ant, right? The smallest creature, tiniest creature, and yet the Lord has us to this ant who in the summer prepares, right? Is <laughs> working, 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 preparing because it's going to shut itself in the winter. <laughs> you know, so there's a shutting, right? What we were speaking about today. That's, yeah. That we're gonna have to do, but we better be prepared and and equipped with the Word of God. I leave you with this. I don't know who who said this, but I but I for many years I've I've heard that. What if they were to take our Bibles from us? Is there enough Word inside of you to live off what you have inside of you? Think about that for a moment. If they were to take all our Bibles and the only thing that you could survive of is the word that is inside of you. Let us examine ourselves. Let us be encouraged. Let us look unto him in this hour. We love you with all our hearts. We pray for you all. And we pray that you join us tomorrow on this very historic day, a changing of the God that will be officially taking place. That's an awesome. That's something crazy happened. But meanwhile, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. And keep looking up.